Meet Dr. Jennifer Durst, a distinguished cosmetic dentist and mentor renowned for enhancing smiles globally and dedicated to elevating dental care and community service. My goal was to be the top cosmetic dentist in Denver. There are so many times I just went to complete depletion. And starting over was actually harder than going through it the first time because you also know what you can do and what you're capable of. But when I moved here, nobody knew what I was capable of. All of those things that are there to challenge us are really there to make us better. What is Jen Before we dive into today's episode designed to inspire your journey towards happiness, success, and fulfillment, I have a small favor to ask of you. Please take a moment to hit that subscribe button. It's just a simple click for you, but to me, it means the world. My goal is to continue bringing you helpful and insightful content that will fuel your personal and personal growth. I'm truly thrilled to have you on this journey with me, and I deeply appreciate your support. All right, Jen, so give us your background. You know, walk me through your career, sort of where you grew up, all of that jazz. Get us to where you are today. Oh, gosh, that's that's definitely not a, a, a fast story. But I grew up in a really small town in rural Wisconsin. It was rural enough that we had drive your tractor to school day, which is foreign to people who grew up in urban environments. <laughs> um and, you know, pretty small town, normal life, you know, people in smaller towns, it's just simple. And we didn't have, you know, a crazy financial means by any way. Like my, my dad was a police officer. My mom would drive to Madison and work as a gate agent uh, for United, et cetera. It was, you know, we were just normal kids. So... I went to a state school in Wisconsin, and uh, at the time, you know, you could go to a state school in Wisconsin for, like, really good ROI. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd work throughout the summers. I worked during college. I'd work in the chem lab. I'd work, you know, know, at the water slide park and the Dells, like wait tables, you name it. I think I've done it. I even mowed lawns in a baseball field once, but they they didn't let me keep doing that because I ran over a tree um, <laughs> with the mower. So, so Portage Park and Rec said, we're going to have you paint picnic tables instead. <laughs> um, and in college, you know, I, I had great friends and that were also, you know, in the biology program that you know my my college roommate played tennis as and I had I played too I learned against the garage in you know my small town cuz country clubs were not a thing in my hometown mm-hmm. so I just thought it looked really cool I liked watching like Agassi on TV and Jennifer Capriati and all those old people um so walked onto the team in college became best friends with my college roommate who was also bio she went on to get her phd my other best friend became a pharmacist like i got really lucky that i had great friends that were super driven and 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 real hustlers so i learned a lot from them and i thought about going to med school and then i saw childbirth and thought i <laughs> don't think this is for me <laughs> It happened at three in the morning. I was like, this is, I like my sleep. I've got to figure out a different direction. So my advisor 
suggested I look into dental. And I went home and shadowed my hometown dentist who had been, I, I don't remember not knowing my hometown dentist. Uh, he probably, probably saw him smoke chairside and not use gloves. Like <laughs> that was, that was my hometown well, dentist. I, I, I called him Mr. Benson instead of Dr. Benson. Cause I didn't know, you know, what yeah. that meant. And I spent a, a day with him and he was really, he was really influential in that. He had this tiny practice where, you know, people would bring in farm produce to pay for their dental care. And the back counter of his office, there was always a pile of like eggs from like the chickens, you know, like beets, like all the things, even home baked goods. And then this kid comes in with their with their mom and the kid was crying and you know, Dr. Benson wiggled his tooth out and he left smiling and happy. And it was you know, he knew everybody in town. It was so much more Norman Rockwell and relationship-based that to me, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do one surgery for somebody and never see them again. I love this path of following somebody through their life and having this relationship with them and helping them, you know, with their healthcare outcomes. So I withdrew from taking the MCAT, applied, it took the DAT exam instead, um, applied for dental school and ended up going to Marquette. So that was how I ended up going into dentistry. And I, you know, loved every minute of, of practicing dentistry and the relationships I got to have with my patients. Yeah. And kind of walk me through that journey of becoming a dentist, because I mean, I've heard it off and on through wine sessions with you, but our listeners haven't. And I think it's kind of fascinating just the journey that you went through and the experiences that you had and, you know, the male counterparts that you worked with and, um, and how it kind of spearheaded your career to, and moved to Colorado as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, dentistry, dentistry has evolved a lot in the last 20 years. And as we know, you, the aspect of, of women's careers have also evolved over the last 20 years, tremendously dentistry 20 years ago, I would say, you know, maybe my class was 30% female. Mm -hmm. And I remember the, the first day of dental school, one of my professors saying, you know, it's going to be a problem that there's so many women in your class because you're going to have babies and you're going to stop being a dentist. And then we're going to have a access to dental care shortage. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, like, I'm not sure I want to have babies. Remember, I saw childbirth in college, <laughs> and it scared me. Right. So I was like, well, it's not going to be a problem for me. Um, you know, and that came up multiple times early on in my career. My first job, this doctor, you know, that I really wanted to move to Denver, and this doctor out here in Denver, I interviewed with him. And uh, he said, you know, like, I I don't know if I want to hire you because I don't know if you're in it for the long haul if you have kids. And it, it was it was something that I encountered multiple times and it just it didn't compute for me that that was sexist. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes those things go over my head. Not so much anymore, but when I was younger I was like, "Oh, right. you know, that's not how that's going to work." But I when that happened after dental school, I thought, you know, I was dating a guy who was from Arizona at the time. Mm -hmm. 
and all these things that happen in your life. I was just watching, I have ADHD, so I will pivot all over. It does make sense, I swear. <laughs> um, I was watching Lessons in Chemistry the last night, and the end of it, you know, they talk about like how all these things impact your life and your journey. And I think you have to pay attention to those. And when you look back on them, they make so much sense. So I moved to Arizona and, and instead, because I was dating somebody who was from there, and we weren't really sure how the relationship was going to pan out. Uh, it obviously didn't. But we're still good friends. Uh, I, I end up out there because I didn't want to take the job from the guy who thought I couldn't be successful because of, you know, having a vagina. So, <laughs> you know, um, so, I, so my path took me to Arizona. I worked for a large corporate group for about six months right out of school. And I pursued them pretty heavily. I thought, I don't want to be a business owner. I really want to just practice dentistry, have my patient relationships. This is not, you know, this is what I want. I want to just be a dentist. And you have to be careful what you put out to the universe. Because remember, if you read The Secret, they're like, you only say the positives. So, you know, I don't want to own a business. All the universe heard was, you're going to own a business. Didn't hear the rest (laughs) of it. Uh, that, that, that stent lasted six months. I didn't enjoy the the corporate setting. So I got lucky enough to find a position in a, in a private practice that did a lot of cosmetic dentistry. And I had a great mentor there who immediately, like right away, he was like, you're going to do these smile makeovers. Go, I've got them teed up. Here's my assistant. Let's do this. And he did do a lot of things in his practice that were really, uh, new to me because you don't learn these things in school like how to have conversations with people and interview them properly and learn what their goals are so that you can meet their needs in their you know healthcare journey uh I learned a lot during those five years and then as well or additionally I was doing so much cosmetic work I started to see that there's so much more than what you learn in school so I started taking all this extra continuing education one of my ex-boyfriend's dad was one of my mentors. Again, all these people come in and out of your life for reasons. And uh, he told me to go up to Seattle and take courses through this continuing education center up there. And I mean, it it changed my trajectory again. So, (laughs) you know, in order to lay... In order to lay a great foundation in what I was doing clinically, I was going through these courses in Seattle. And... They really made me a, a stronger clinician, and I really believed in like some of the, you know, the clinical philosophies, how to just do things well and predictable for your patients. So they have, you know, I'd rather see you one, see, I'd rather you see me one time rather than having to keep fix something over and over and over again. So in going to Seattle, I Colorado was always what spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona wasn't my, my place. I think it's great to visit and go, you know, hang out in a pool on the weekend. But when being such an outdoorsy or having had been a very outdoorsy person, um, summers, like when you're, you know, you're like, I don't even want to be in a pool. I want to go into the air conditioning. I just, that wasn't my jam. Like I need to be outside all year round. So I met my future business partner through these courses in Seattle and, after practicing for five years in Scottsdale, relocated to Denver and started over. <laughs> and sometimes you just, you gotta, you, you gotta do it. And starting over was actually harder than going through it the first time because you also know what you can do. 
and what you're capable of. But when I moved here, nobody knew what I was capable of. And, you know, like I didn't have, you know, my first year, we didn't really have any marketing. Marketing is very important. Nobody knew who I was. I couldn't, you know, I had to build my practice all over on my own and essentially, you know, networked in town and would meet people and ask them to come to our practice and be a part of our, you know, dental family. Like that was... How did you network? Did you go to, was it specifically networking events or how did you every, yourself out there? <laughs> yeah, every way, shape or form. So my first summer here, I think on Monday nights, I might've been on a tennis league. Um, Tuesday nights, I would think I was on a volleyball league. I didn't even play volleyball, <laughs> I, <laughs> but it seemed really social and it really was. Yeah. I mean, I ended, you know, you'd meet the other four people across. I'd be running away from the ball. Like the, everyone else on my team right. could play. I, I created a volleyball team, not being a volleyball player. So I recruited a couple of people to be on the team yeah. and they knew how to play. And I was the wild card. Yeah. So <laughs> it was pretty comical actually, yeah. <laughs> but you, you would make friends with the people across the net from you. It was, you know, this, it used to be a thing in Denver and Wash Park where it was yeah. every like night. It is though, is it still it? a thing? I don't know. I mean, you go there during the summertime and is it bumping? Still bumping. Okay. We're just old now. <laughs> they cut back on how, like, they cut back on the leagues. Oh, okay. At one point. And then at one point, we were playing behind the target in Glendale, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. But it was a good thing that day because I forgot to bring shorts. And so, fortunately, I could go into Target and grab yeah. a pair of shorts for volleyball. <laughs> but yeah, that was a bit of a shit show. Um, I think I was also on a beer kickball league. Uh, so it was a lot of athletic things Mm -hmm. but yet I also did I I became part of this philanthropic group ended up becoming the president of the group when you're the president of the organization you end up meeting a ton of people and they want you know they're like was was that that was at the time it was an active 2030 group which I think they've changed their name since then and and departed from that it kind of felt a little bit like a fundraising sorority in a way, but I'm actually still great friends with the board that I was on. And we have a book club that's, we've got our hundredth book coming up in March and have, you know, taken an annual book club retreat together. It's, you know, they became my good friends as well. Um, So networking is really just exposing yourself, meeting people and learning about them and then asking if they have any interest in what you have to offer mm-hmm. so i would ask people like oh do you have a great dentist um if they said yes i'm like awesome um i'm so glad you have a happy dental home and if you ever need a backup i'm here for you i'm happy to be number two if that's what it takes and then there were others who were like no i really don't like my dentist because a lot of people don't love going to the dentist so that was an easy tee-up i'm like well i'd love to have you i'm sure i can exceed your expectations please come you know, give us a try. And that was really a lot of how I built and rebuilt my practice and eventually got back to being, you know, my goal was to be the top cosmetic dentist in Denver. And ultimately I ended up having people that came from more than just Denver, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, Australia, you name it. It, it, it kind of built on itself, Mm -hmm. but I think because you know, I loved dentistry so much. It, when you love what you do, it comes through. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what attracted, you know, that, that growth. Yeah. I want to have you stop there and talk about 
the struggles or any sort of challenges that you went through because you were essentially in so many different social athletic clubs <laughs> I know. to grow this business. And uh, it's a unique path. <laughs> it is a very unique path. I believe that entrepreneurship now is put on this pedestal. And so people truly underestimate the amount of time and effort yes. and sweat equity that goes into really building a business, especially when you start over or you're starting from the mm -hmm. very, very beginning. So, I mean, was that exhausting for you to go through, you know, you've got tennis, you've got volleyball, you've got kickball. Yeah. We make sweat equity really real in this situation. <laughs> right. It was literal, <laughs> literal sweat. Well, and that's not the only body fluid. I think it's also tears. Like <laughs> yeah. I cried a lot. There were, um, you know, moments where, you know, I'd be like Thursday night, I'm on my fourth night of going to some type of, you know, opportunity to meet new people. Is yeah. that's, And I would call my mom and I can remember literally sitting at a stoplight on Spear and Broadway with my seat heater on because every dentist, like one thing about dentistry is like, it's very physical. Mm -hmm. So you're always like, you know, having to stretch and you know, that's a whole nother story. But I remember like my seat heater is on. It's summertime because I just want like to feel the warmth on, on my back and my body. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to a networking event. It's some, you know, young business professional thing. And I just started crying. I was like, I <laughs> don't know how long I can do this. This isn't sustainable. Like my, I wake up, I'm at, you know, at five in the morning, I'm up, I go to the gym, I work out, I'm making it to my office by 6.15. So I can be at huddle at 6.30. And then, you know, my poor dog, <laughs> like there'd be one time I brought her to volleyball and then she undug her like little leash thing and took off chasing the balls. So we couldn't do that anymore. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, it was just, I felt like there are so many times I just went to complete depletion and then, you know, maybe three times a year, I'd take a week off and I'd like go hard on complete rest. Like I'd leave the country so no one could call me. That was literally my, my, I love traveling, but like I also was like, I have to be in another time zone so nobody can ask me anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm out of here. I'm going to go to a beach. I'm going to read all day. And I'm going to read something trashy and easy <laughs> <laughs> and no personal growth and development. Because I also would listen to all of those personal growth and development books on my way to and from work. And I would listen to them on like chipmunk speed so I could like pack it in. Yeah. I just think – I think now what I see uh, – you know, I mentor a lot of doctors now, and I think there are times where, you know, for, for some people, maybe life has been easy. Like maybe it's been easy to get straight A's and maybe it's been easy. Anything, anytime it's been easy for somebody to, to have achievement in their life, when they get to that point of there being challenged, they really struggle. And the later in life you experience challenge, I think the harder that is. Uh, had a doctor recently that moved on because it was too much for her. And I don't think she had enough challenge growing up. I try to interview for challenge. I want to know when you had your first job. I want to know, like, I, you know, the, this sounds terrible, but like, 
the harder it was for you as a kid and your family. And like, I know those doctors, whenever I have one of those who comes out and is like, yeah, my life wasn't exactly handed to me. I had to pay for college. I had to do it all myself. I'm like, you got great. You got hustle. You're in. And I see those doctors launch a lot faster than maybe ones who were, um, you know, had a little bit more of a a path paved for them. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that if you had a path paved for you that you won't be successful, but I do see a difference in, you know, the humans that, that have to work sooner and have challenges sooner in life because the sooner you experience them, the sooner, you know, you become resilient. And I don't know if that really answers your question because I think I go on, I go on tangents really easy. (laughs) No, it's not a tangent. I, um, I totally agree with you there to the extent that, when you don't have a plan B where you have something to fall back on, whether it's in this case, it's financially, right? Like if mm-hmm. your parents, you don't come from money and your parents, you don't have that buffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, your only choice is to find a way to make it with your business, to find a way to make it in life because, mm-hmm. and I think it also, that re, it builds that resilience because you, you have to rely on yourself. So accountability becomes such a huge aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes much more natural than if you were having to like be taught what accountability and responsibility is. Cause, and I guess like in, in, to that extent, like what was your driving force? Like, why do you think you were so disciplined and obviously very driven and motivated to continue going? <sighs> Cause I've had a lot of failures prior. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say you know, our household growing up was definitely one where you're like, we got groceries on payday. When I was in college, um, you know, like my budget, my food budget was, now it's again, it's a different time (laughs) back when gum was a nickel. Um, but I knew how to budget my weekly like food expenses for like 10 bucks a week. I like knew how to bulk out on spaghetti and you know, whatever it was. I, I really wanted financial freedom. I really wanted to not worry about if I popped a tire on my car. I don't know if that's how you actually even say that. But if I blew a a tire, my goal was to be able to go, that's not going to stress me out. And I remember exactly when that happened. And I I remember saying to my dental assistant, this is my goal. And when I did blow a tire, because I, you know, drive through whatever and over things, um, I remember when I, this happened and she's like, are you, you know, could you get your tire? And I was like, and I got my tire and it was okay. (laughs) It was like a celebration. So you're like, I made it. Yep. But I did do, I made a lot of bad decisions. I made, I bought a house in 2007. Mm -hmm. That was a bad decision in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, You know, I don't think anybody knows that I lost that house. And so that delayed my ability to buy my practice. Oh gosh. Okay. Right. Yep. And and then coming and when I moved to Colorado, like my income dips. So I've lost now lost a house. Now my my credit's a little jacked and like I've got to rebuild yet again. And meanwhile, all of that still, the student debt is not getting paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Dental school is expensive. Yeah. I remember patients being like, Well, you're gonna go buy a boat. I'm like, I we do not live somewhere that <laughs> boating is a reality and right. I'm sorry, I don't feel bad for you because I know what you're driving and I'm still trying to pay off my student loans. So get out. You're just paying for like part of my tuition. (laughs) um, I think that 
I think that sometimes debt can can drive you. I think that like the fear of being in a place where you don't have financial stability can drive you. And and decisions should never be fear driven. They should always be goal driven. Like you don't want to be running from something, you want to be running towards something. So, you know, for me, running towards like the, being able to get an extra tire that was my goal. Like I wanted to have a safety net. I wanted to know I could build a safety net and then have a lifestyle. Like I really do enjoy traveling. Like when I was in high school, I was lucky. Um, our, our, our Spanish program had a opportunity to go to Spain and it was like a thousand bucks and I paid for it all by babysitting for two bucks an hour. That's a lot of hours of babysitting (laughs) and car washes and whatever. But you know, I went and then in college, I studied art in Italy and I got to do that because of a grant because I was poor enough and I was like the token art person in, in, you know, this, because my major was biology. They're like, oh, you're not really an artist. You're like, this is your side thing. Yeah. And I got to go again to Europe and I was like, this is so great. The food is amazing. I hated tomatoes until I went to Italy. Like, this is like, I need to see the world. So that was also a driving factor. Like I wanted to be able to afford a flight to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So like when you create these goals of the things that you want to have um, and you really want them and they're like in your bloodstream to want them, that's like, I think that, that nothing beats that. If you're like, yeah, I'd like to have make a good living. You're not going to get there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I would know. agree with that. I think it's um, having that vision and then matching it with like the desire how badly do I really want this? And then matching those two things with your effort, like your execution, the action that you put in every single day, mm-hmm. daily habits or routines to foster you towards that bigger vision. Mm-hmm. So how long, when you started your dentistry with your business partner, did you then get to a point where you felt like you could breathe a little bit in terms of not overworking? <laughs> Or is it what, like to breathe it, right now? <laughs> <laughs> like I can't, I can't even do it right now. But did it get to a point where at least you could reel back on the social outings and networking and people already kind of, you established yeah. yourself a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I got established probably after a couple of years because it was such a, I was like, I went so hard. Yeah. I think my, my J curve was steeper. But I would also say if you're wired a certain way, um, you know, yeah, I, my, my, my schedule was booked out a few months. Then my brain just decided I'm going to achieve other things. Like, let's figure out what I was so still wired on achievement Mm -hmm. and goals that I just started to find new goals. And I think it would have been nice to sit and breathe for a second. I don't know that I did that very well. Um, maybe now I'm starting to, with age, mm-hmm. go, okay, I'm going to actually schedule time for that. So, you know, this year in trying to be present, my goal is to just sit and read another trashy book. Instead of waiting for vacation to read a trashy book, I'm trying to read a trashy book for an hour each day at the end of the day. I don't look at a screen. I look at paper. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Yeah. (laughs) I've only been doing it for a week so far because it's, (laughs) you know, the first week of the year. But 
I'm like, I'm like, this is a great reset at the end of the day to read something super mindless. Um, and then I'm trying to be more present on the weekends as well. And that's, you know, but when I'm making my goal now to be other things besides just purely dentistry. Yeah. And I want to, so you were doing dentistry and then you leaped into entrepreneurship, right? Like it's, I mean, you were already in yeah. entrepreneurship, but you essentially expanded what your, your, your dental practice was. Yes. And how did you, I mean, how did that come about? Cause it's, I mean, for, we could totally name drop here. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Aspire Dental. It yes. used to be Levin Family Dental. Yeah. And now I, I swear I drive all over Colorado <laughs> yeah, we have 28 locations you're just now. Everywhere. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I feel like you're always with me. Uh, I am. I'm always with you. <laughs> um, well, so 2000, I feel like it was maybe 2016, 17. I, through the women's philanthropy group that I was in, one of the women who's also a go-getter, she... Um, was in this group in Denver that a McKinsey consulting company was doing a leadership program. And she knew the people who were running it. And she said, look, I really think your brain is wired to get involved in this. And I want you to apply. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm a dentist. I don't want to go to McKinsey consulting and learn stuff from a consulting company. Mm-hmm. Um, but she pushed me to do it and she's like, give me your application. I'm going to like, I'm sitting you down, you're doing this. And she made sure that my application was put in front of their face and they accepted me into this program. And I was in this program with all these CEOs and it was like CEOs and a dentist (laughs) and we owned our practice. So dentistry, oftentimes the, you know, the, the historic pattern of dentistry is that you you go, maybe you practice for somebody as an associate for a while, and then you buy in and you become business partners together and you own your 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 family practice. Now, we all know that healthcare is evolving, like hospitals have changed, like your family medicine doctor has changed. Dentistry is getting bought out by private equity as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was in this CE group, I was thinking like, okay, this patient of mine who was an obstetrician came in and she was like, I just have to shut the doors to my practice because, you know, the hospital across the street has now opened up a practice within. I can't afford to keep the lights on anymore. Like some of the stuff that's happened to, uh, you know, family medicine and certain parts of certain categories of medicine has been tough on the sole proprietor. And I talked to my business partner at the time. I said, look, I don't, what are we going to do? Like if dentistry is consolidating and getting eaten up by PE and bigger companies and, and you can't tell, like there's most of the structure out there is that a PE company owns dental practice, but it'll still say, you know, Paulson family dental. I just made that word up. I'm trying to come up with somebody I don't know. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. So, but it's owned by this big company. Um, This is pretty common now. I would say like maybe 30% of dentistry is now consolidated. And 
we had built this practice that was the culture was very vibrant. Like our team loved coming to work. We we loved working with our team. We would take them on trips to Vegas or New York and we would throw education in there. Like let's go to the Ritz and learn leadership. And we'd fly our team to New York and we would learn leadership at the Ritz Carlton for the day. Like that was our culture. And we thought if somebody comes and buys us, are they going to ruin that? Because that's what you see happening in a lot of PE owned structures is they just try to, they, they try to take that apart and just become more profitable. And, you know, we were profitable, but we also, and we did really good dentistry Mm -hmm. and had a great reputation in town, but we also knew that we had a really good culture. When you walk into my office, the sparkle that happens from Adinkra and Monique up front, um, they, they, like, they hug you through the phone. They, it's just a, like you go into our practice and you feel good and we thought, I, what's going to happen to us? Like, how do we keep this going? So we decided to create an opportunity. I, I drove past, sorry, I'm pivoting again. I drove through Cherry Creek every day on my way to work. And I'd drive past Nordstrom. And when I first went to a Nordstrom out of, you know, coming from Portage, Wisconsin, I was blown away by the hospitality and service. The first time I went to a Ritz-Carlton for a dental meeting, blown away by the hospitality and service. And that was how we implemented that in our practice Mm -hmm. and brought those things in. And I thought, why isn't there a dental group that we can join and be a part of that focuses on culture and focuses on hospitality and doing the right thing and the rest will come. That was who we were. Mm -hmm. And so I said to Brett, um, Brett is my business partner, why don't we just start one? Let's build this. Yeah. Let's make let's make the space that we want to be in. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we started to do that, and yeah. we formed this group. And all of the doctors in our group, they're partners on an equal level as what we are. So, you know, we, I definitely made some mistakes in some of that, like where we didn't understand what we were doing. We totally undervalued ourselves and then overvalued other people. And, you know, like, you know, I guess that can financially bite yourself in the butt sometimes too. But I also think you have to make these mistakes to learn. And um, that was really how we started. We we're like, let's make the place that we want to be a practicing in. And that, there we go. And now all of a sudden we are in four states. That is amazing. And do you, is the plan to expand beyond that and or nationally or yes we're going to texas uh we're under loi in texas currently Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm supposed to knock on wood for that or not but we're going to be joining texas (laughs) and um yeah i mean it's really about the right partners because our culture is so important to us we want the right doctors and the right partners to join us Mm -hmm. and and not it's not just like a a mill, if you would yeah. call it that. I've heard people refer to dental places as yeah. mills, like a, I won't say the names. I was going to, I won't do it. I won't do it. I don't want to be negative. I like to be on the positive side of things. Fair enough. So how do you, are you still like, how do you balance everything in terms of you've talked about now you're going to read a trashy book, like at the end of yeah. every day, but what does a typical work day look like for you now? Like, cause I know that you're, you're not practicing anymore. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah. And then talk about like you're essentially 
more like on the operational side of your business now? Yes. So, well, I got injured and that's why I can't practice anymore. Otherwise, I would totally be, be practicing. I'd love to practice in the organization that we are yeah. because you could, you can get up and go be a dentist and then go home. Yeah. Um, it's structured as such. And I'm also really competitive. So my business partner, Brett, and I are like siblings and we like to compete with each other on everything. So I would love to like compete with him on <laughs> you know, who does more or better smile designs. I think who can do the best feeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are like that. <laughs> um, maybe that's why I chose sports network because there's competition. Probably. Um, so I would love to still be practicing, but I got injured and my injury happened like right before the pandemic created a lot of challenges that, you know, for a year I could, couldn't walk. My now husband was getting me dressed in the morning and, you know, getting like lifting me out of bed. It was a really difficult year. And, um, it forced me to have to like pivot and shift what I was doing. So I shifted into, you know, now I'm the chief clinical director of Aspire and I hire doctors. I mentor doctors. I, you know, lecture all over the place. And it was completely redefining who I was because my identity was Jen Durst, cosmetic dentist. It was really challenging. And I'm now finally figuring out my new routine. Mm-hmm. So it, when you have to change your career, it's like technically like the third time in my career I've had to re- change everything. And uh, it takes time to do that. Yeah. Now my, my, my day looks like I get up. And I, it's really nice. I have a coffee with my husband every morning and my dog. And I never used to do that because I'd get up at five and go work out. Now we get up and we have a coffee in the dark and watch the sunrise. And it's fantastic. Um, I then most days will do something with movement because movement is so important to your body. And I've always felt that way. But now post-injury, like I feel grateful I can walk. Mm -hmm. So I love taking walks. Uh, There's a little four-mile loop near my house and I, and it's around a lake and I can see the mountains. Um, like hang out with my dog or my husband when I do it, sometimes listen to a book, uh, sometimes phone a friend and getting that movement. That's like my favorite part of the day. And then I'm like checking emails and responding to things. And you, then it's like, go, you're all in. Um, whether it's, you know, trying to put out a fire I, you know, that's obviously figurative. I don't firefight, but, um, you know, like a doctor needs something. They're in the middle of a case and they're taking a picture and they're like, Hey, what do I do in this situation? I'm going to bail you out. What do I, you know, let's, let's focus on this. Send me pictures. I'm in the practices. I'm coaching them. I'm mentoring them. Um, that is really like, there's no same day. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely not groundhog day when yeah. you're, you know, yeah. running anything in the business world. And then end of the day, my, oh, my husband and I always eat together. Mm-hmm. We cook at home a lot. He cooks. I don't because I, you know, if I'm cooking, there's fires and potatoes are rolling on the floor and we don't really know Literally what's happening. Like to put out fires in that, in that case. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes firefighting. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we usually have dinner together. And then there's some nights where then I go and I get on and I give a webinar or I'm running a study club and, you know, finishing up a PowerPoint, whatever I'm doing in the evening. And, 
you know, he's got the same kind of thing going on. And then there's other nights where we're like, all right, let's go sit on our patio. And now we watch the sunset, have yeah. a glass of wine. And I'm very lucky he works in the wine world. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a glass of wine and watch the sun come down. So it's, you know, there's like, we, we bookend the day. And we bookend the day together, like focused on each other. And that is what I would call counterbalancing. Um, instead of, I read a book once and I can't remember who said it. But if you're trying to balance your life, balancing means like you're probably standing on one leg and you're wobbly. Yeah. But if you counterbalance and you, you, you weight something else, then it creates more stability, mm-hmm. right? So it's really about trying to put in time to counterbalance what you're doing rather than letting it, that happen organically. Yeah. I like, you know, it's funny that I think the term balance and in this case counterbalance uh, it, I, it, people just have so many different perspectives on it. And I have found like, just because, you know, you say balance or whatnot, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have it all. Like I do <laughs> believe in the idea of like integration. So it sounds like your work and life are very integrated with each other in such a way that it works for you. Um, and I totally understand, and I'm with you there because I, I think I'm wired the same way in terms of why I started my business, why I'm even starting this podcast, <laughs> Yeah, is uh, you have this drive in you that in a way it's almost um, hard to describe, but it's just almost innate and you just want to go after the things you want to. And some people don't understand and that's totally fine. But what is your like purpose? Like I always found like it's got to be more than just like the tire, you know, being able to pay for that or the luxuries of travel. But what is like your deeper purpose for that drive and like self-validation maybe, or, or what you feel that makes you, um, push for something beyond where you're at? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. So, because when I was practicing, I had a really great feedback loop. When I, when I put a crown on and I could see the margins on the x-ray were perfect and every, you know, ignore what the, the technical speak. When I could see on the x-ray, my work was perfect. Mm-hmm. When the patient says, wow, it was the best injection I've ever had or, you know. Injection. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even feel you give me numb, get me numb. I'm like, exactly. Or like I would do their smile makeover and they're, they're like, they would give me cards afterwards that like, you've changed my life. I've now advanced in my career, like all of those things. That was my purpose. And it filled my cup every single day. Mm -hmm. So then like, and that was really the drive because I just wanted to do more of it and, and interact with more people and have great teammates that said, this is the best place to work. Like that was really the purpose. So it feels like you, I don't think it's necessary you need validation, but you feel good about being able to um, serve other people and make an impact on others. Yes. Okay. That's a thousand percent the purpose. Yeah. And now I had to figure out what that was because I can tell you like there were a lot of days where I was crying on the couch because like I'm not providing anything to the world anymore. I'm not getting to take care of my patients. My patients were sending me messages. They're like... I miss you. <laughs> when can you come back? Um, that was so challenging. And again, like having to create a new identity and a new purpose mm-hmm. is 
I mean, I think it's inevitable for everybody in life to have different stages where you have to go through that. And I think it's good. It's healthy. It's change. Like it's movement, like physical movement, mental movement, all of that. Mm -hmm. Now my purpose is really developing others. So if the way I perceive my injury is you have to find the good, right? That you're of not walking sucked, but the good part is in shifting now, instead of only being able to take care of the patients that I could take care of, now I have mentored so many doctors and given them, whether they get one pearl from me that helps them for the rest of their life mm-hmm. or 20, yeah. that's my purpose, to develop other doctors so that they can be better for dentistry and for our patients. And that's what fills my cup. And every once in a while, I get a text from a doctor that says, thank you so much. Like you've impacted me and I appreciate every, like that you are here for me and help me and whatever. And I, like, so every once in a while, and I, and I screenshot those text messages and I keep them. Mm-hmm. So I used to keep all the cards that my patients gave me next to my coffee machine. Yeah. And I'd pull one out and read one every morning for like inspiration. Yeah. And now I have the screenshots like, cause there's way less now. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Well, it's it's, it's like <laughs> my tiny screenshots. <laughs> they're not that many in this world, yeah. but it's still my purpose. Yeah. Like, and even if it's kind of like having, I don't have kids, but it, I feel like sometimes it's like having kids where like when I see them be successful, even if they don't know it, I am kind of like a proud mama of mm-hmm. the doctors that I get to see grow and develop and, and really, um, you know, become to the better in their potential. And if yeah. I can be a part of it, it's a super, it's just an honor to yeah. be able to be a part of their, their journey. I am reading a book on like the icky guy. Oh yeah. Like, and I, I feel like everything you're saying encompasses the principles of an icky guy, which is do something you love, something that you can make money with, something that impacts other people. And, um, what was the fourth one? Oh, <laughs> Lori, don't hold me accountable to these things. <laughs> I know. I'm like, shoot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I feel like that's so important. And sometimes it's all, I find, I have found it difficult. I think in my twenties, I hustled a lot. We talked about this before <laughs> the podcast, but we, I hustled a ton in my twenties, thirties. I had kids and I'm still in my thirties, but I've just spent a lot of those years uh, scaling controlling the scaling of my company and being Mm -hmm. okay with it, not growing as fast as I wanted to. Uh, but it gives, I have other things in life. Like being a mom is like a huge, it's probably one of my favorite roles in life, but it's also the most challenging. And both my kids are about to be in school full time soon. So I'm excited to spend my forties, not exactly how hard I worked in my twenties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Still being able to, you know, redefine what success looks like for me as I move forward. Um, I think it gets to a point, like at the beginning of your career, did you feel like it was all about the money to an extent? And then eventually tail down to like, like, where are you at now? Like, is it more like existential in terms of money's great, but there's gotta be something beyond that for just you, not necessarily that you have to serve other people, but Mm -hmm. like the kindness that you give to yourself in terms of what is, what does Jen look like moving forward? You know what I mean? Like, what does that journey look like for you ideally outside of just the hustle and the grind yeah. of running a business? Because I'm sure there's so much more that you want to do. 
you know, I'm still, I would say I'm still in that crossroads of defining what else I'm going to do or what I want to do. Um, what is important to me is spending time with my husband. Mm-hmm. I, I got married later in life. I, 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 I kissed some frogs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then I got the prince yeah, and yeah. he's wonderful. And so my hope is to, um, you know, enjoy every minute I get with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the, like, like, again, I just watched this lessons in chemistry show and she didn't know that when her guy went out, oh, I shouldn't spoil it. Um, spoil in case you didn't watch it. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Shit. Her husband gets hit by a bus. Sorry, people. Wow. If you, yeah, the but it's like third is... episode. So I'm not ruining the whole story, but it's, a... yeah, I cried. <laughs> I was like, what if that happened to Matt? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, really, I just want to suck up every day. Yeah. And whether that means, you know, the sucking up today and and absorbing it is spending time with, you know, a doctor who is learning. I I got off a plane a couple of weeks ago and went to this practice and I helped this doctor with a couple of things. And then afterwards he's like, oh, I recorded this Mm -hmm. because I'm going to come back to it, to the conversation. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that's, freaking cool i'm so one i'm so proud of you for like thinking to do that and honored that you would like go through that process of saying i'm going to come back to this but like i can't wait to watch that doctor like really really launch because i know he's going to do it um but yeah i you know i still don't have like a a plan you you what was the paul coelho book um you know he goes on the journey and you know, it's it's like you have this vision, but you have to walk through all the doors. Yeah, I've started teaching more, and it wasn't my plan or my intention ever educate others, mm-hmm. but it's kind of fun. Yeah. I get to meet some amazing human beings. Like if it organically happens, I'm gonna keep doing it. Yeah, but if it's not meant to be, I'm also really okay with that. Mm-hmm. versus I think the old me would have been like, if something isn't meant to be, I'm just still going to just grind through it and make it happen. <laughs> it's probably why I ended up with frogs for so long. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> My personal life. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think where that kind of leads me to is I think objectively people can look and say, wow, you've totally got it made, right? Any Any successful business person or whatever it is, you must be thriving. You must have it all figured out. I think something that I would take away from just hearing you and in a way it almost uh, validates the stuff that I've talked to my husband about too, is I, I don't ever know what I'm doing. And I say that openly to people. They just think, oh, you're running a successful business. You must have it all figured out. And I'm like, I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> and it's same as parenting, raising No kids. one knows. Yeah. You don't have anything figured out. But what you do have figured out is a sense of self-awareness of what you're capable of and really knowing what you need to do to figure it out Mm -hmm. and the ongoing consistency of just showing up for yourself to figure out. Cause you know, if somebody said, where do you see yourself in five years? I hate that question because I'm like five years older. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like probably doing more Botox. I don't know. (laughs) More gray hairs. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, yeah, I think, that's like so important is just to recognize that and have the humility to, to say that you really don't have it all figured out. 
No. Yeah. No, but, and no one does. <laughs> I think everybody, you know, like I, I was actually talking with one of my girlfriends who's a dentist this morning and we were talking about these two dentists that we know and, you know, they're, they're phenomenal. They are building a teaching center. Like they're all over the world lecturing. They're, they're amazing doctors. And from the outside, like you might compare yourself to them. You might go like, oh, I don't, I'm not that as good of a teacher. My photography isn't as good. Like, I think a lot of times we default to that. We see other people being successful and then we compare ourselves and that's super unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I think what we have to do is compare ourselves to our own self. Like, and in that process go, okay, am I growing? Am I, am I challenging myself? Because if you don't challenge, you don't grow. And am I learning from those challenges? And I'm learning from my failures because yeah. if you don't fail, you don't learn anything. That's chemistry, right? And like I'm using this example so much, but like if you think about any scientific experiment, there's a lot of failure until you find out the right formula. Like some people find their formula sooner than others, yeah. but again, the world is evolving around us. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So if you don't evolve even if you get it figured out, you still have to keep evolving. Right. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. yeah. You have to adapt to changes and you have yeah. to be steadfast in your ability to continue moving forward, even if it's not like an entire staircase of like moving forward, but tiny steps, they lead to like bigger progress along yeah. the way. Yeah. It's like the yeah. James Clear, the 1% gains. Like if your 1% gains, like capitalize on each other and yeah. exponentially stick more versus, you know, yes, jumping off the cliff and thinking you're going to just fly. I mean, that could happen. Too. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up here, I want to have you just share like one key takeaway, and this could be the best advice that you've ever received and that you want to pass down to somebody about anything in, in terms of just winning in life and in business and it could be subjective but just the best advice you would give to somebody I think in relation to what we've talked about today I I think somebody wrapped this into a bow for me once that really obstacles are fun and they're a gift and if you think about what we do in for entertainment maybe it's doing a puzzle we like to do puzzles at home and they challenge your mind Right. But we sometimes forget that or like you play a sport, mm-hmm. the sport creates a challenge. Right. If you even if you're like doing something artistic, like throwing, throwing pottery, when you throw pottery, you might have a vision in your head of where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. But you've got to also let the clay move in a way that you're like, OK, this is where we're going yeah. on this on this piece. I mean, really, really good people probably don't have to go through that. But when I went through clay, that's how it works. Yeah. You're like, and here's where we're going with this. <laughs> Um, but the, the obstacles, if you look at them as fun and a challenge and a game, it reframes things for you. So I, you know, I hate hearing people who go into like a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. I've never lived that way. Like I know I've had challenges and I know it hasn't been an easy path, but all those things that are there to challenge us are really there to make us better. Yeah. And they're there for us to get stronger. You don't lift a weight and have it be easy and get muscles. But we seem to think that in our life there shouldn't be 
mental or emotional challenges. Mm -hmm. And all of those mental and emotional challenges just make you better for the next um, experience for, you know, for me, my relationship challenges were be- made me better for my husband, yeah. right? Like yeah. all of those things make you better for your future. And I think that would be my, my takeaway from today is like embrace them. They mm-hmm. suck sometimes. Yeah. You're like, fuck my life. <laughs> and, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're in them, they're hard. But yeah. when you come out of them, you're like, damn, I did that. Yeah. And it's so much cooler to go, damn, I did that with something hard than it is in something easy. Yeah. I love that. I think that's just highlights the importance of enjoying the process before you get to the reward. Yes. And I think that that's why a lot of people who are in entrepreneurship or own a business or whatever it is, make it is because they are truly enjoying the process of how hard it is all the things you have to learn before you hit a milestone. Uh, so I'm, I'm there with you. I love it. You wrap that up better than I, I could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let the listeners judge on that. Yeah. But thanks for making time, Jen. I'm oh. sure I'll see you again. I mean, I'm always looking forward for wine night with you. Yeah. So. Happy to do it and love wine all the time. 